Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. I know that usually when you think of stewardship, you think of what we just did and giving through this offering. You think about how we handle our finances. And by the way, thank you so much for giving and supporting the work of God here through Crossroads Church. We appreciate that so much. But I'm a firm believer that our stewardship extends way beyond just how we handle our money. That's an important aspect of it. But beyond how we handle our money, There's so many different forms of this whole idea of stewardship, including what happens right here behind this pulpit. And for uh, over 20 years as your pastor, I have done my best to practice really good stewardship uh, by doing everything I can to get the most important voices in the body of Christ today here to address us as a spiritual family and give us the opportunity to hear from heaven and how God is speaking and what God is speaking through choice servants within the body of Christ. We certainly have a couple of those today. We love Neil and Kay Kennedy so much and just value so much our friendship with them for years now, as well as uh, our friendship as a church with the ministry that Neil uh, founded years ago. It's called Five Star Man, and it's an initiative. I think an apostolic initiative that God has his hand on and he's using uh, in nations around the world uh, to really bring men in the body of Christ back to true biblical, spiritual uh, manhood, masculinity. I'm so grateful and so thankful for how God is using Neil's ministry to raise up men of God, to be the men that God wants them to be in their families, in their communities. We're grateful. We're thankful that you've answered that call. And it's a joy to have Neil and Kay with us here today. He's going to share the word of God with us. So would you stand one more time all over the room, stand to your feet, give a great big crossroads welcome to our friend Neil Kennedy, everybody. Love you, buddy. Bless you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to make a confession of faith in just a moment. I I want to encourage you. I wrote my latest book. This is, uh, I think, number 10 that I've written. And uh, this book is Pray Like a a Son. And uh, we have some available in the Connect Center. And everything is donation only, whatever you want to uh, give as a seed. You can have this, and uh, it helps five-star man just continue to grow and expand. Um, One thing I just kind of want to share with you, we just recently launched Five-Star Man Brazil, and it's really exciting because all of our books, all of our curriculum, video, everything is being translated into Portuguese, and it's really exciting to see. We're going to be making several trips down there next year. I've already made several uh, laying the groundwork, but we're officially recognized at Five Star Man Brazil. I uh, got a call last week that we have new groups launching in um, Santiago, Chile, and uh, just really exciting to see what God is doing. We have about 250,000 men that read the Daily Champion, which is our daily encouragement that we send out via email every day. And so uh, it's really exciting what God's doing. Your partnership is what makes that happen. So thank you for that. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, 
we're going to be looking at verse 1. Let me make a confession of faith. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to stand in the office of a teacher. I thank you that the prophet Isaiah said that stammering lips will speak fluently and clearly. As Paul prayed, I pray that I will speak clearly as I should, making the most of this opportunity. My conversation be seasoned with salt. I pray that you watch over your word to perform. Your word will not return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you sent him. I thank you, Father, that you give us ears to hear your word. And as we receive your word, we consummate your word to produce a harvest of righteousness in our lives. Now, in the authority of Jesus Christ, I bind any deception, any distraction, any disturbance from your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. When I was, what I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were, also, we were in slavery under the basic principles of this world. But when the time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem. Everyone say redeem. redeem. Everyone say redeem. Redeem. Every, redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights. Everyone say full rights. Full rights. full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. I wrote this book, Pray Like a Son, or Pray Like a Child, as, as we know. Prayer is the most powerful force on earth. It is appropriating the will of heaven to answer the frustrations of the earth. That's what prayer is. You, you're literally, when you are praying... You are taking a position to stand between heaven's will and earth's frustration, and you are speaking using your voice. It's called a rhema voice. You're speaking. Rhema actually is the vibration that comes from your voice. When you're speaking God's word, it's not just any words, but when you're speaking God's word, you're literally speaking what the Bible says is God's command so you're taking heaven's will and you're speaking it to the frustrations of the earth. That's what prayer is. Prayer is powerful and there's a purpose of prayer. Very few people understand the positional rights that we have to pray and change and affect our generations. That's what I want to talk about. Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not faint. Prayer is not convincing heaven to change. It is hearing from heaven to change the earth. I want to say that again. Prayer is not convincing heaven to change. It is hearing from heaven to change earth. There, there's three positions or types of prayer that I kind of want to point out because there's prayers and petitions. One is a petition in the court of heaven. There's a legal matter that we have and we can make a petition in the court of heaven. It's, it's a legal system where you have a judge, you have an advocate, and you have an adversary. Your adversary is not equal to the judge. 
He's coming against you, but we have an advocate with the Father, and we go to the petitioning of the court of heaven to make things happen and make things change to have justice. If there's injustice, we have to petition heaven. But there's also a peer relationship. Jesus actually said in Luke chapter 11 that we could pray as a friend prays to a friend. As a friend goes and he calls to his neighbor to open the door and share his bread, Jesus teaches that that is a way that we can approach God, that we can approach Jesus as a friendship. In fact, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 28 says, do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow when you have in your hand to do it today. God will not hold you to a higher standard that he gives himself. Come on, you're not getting that. Because when you go to the Lord in a friendship and you say, God, I need this, God is saying, I won't say to you, come back tomorrow. I won't say to you, I'll just wait a little bit. God will respond to you. Are you with me? Today, I want to talk about the position that you have as a son, as a child of God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 3 says this, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest of the kingdom. When we learn from Jesus the art of praying like a son, we realize that our prayer life changes because we are approaching God in the way that Jesus said for us to approach him, which, by the way, is a very radical concept. He, Jesus actually said something that was so radical that the religious of his day picked up stones to kill him for saying it. And that was simply this. He called God his father. No one had ever done that before. No one had actually referred to God as father. In fact, they used the Hebrew name that we were singing out with faith and confidence today, Yahweh, Jehovah, that is actually called, for a technical reason, I want to say it, a tetragrammaton, which is the, the consonants without the vowels. And the consonant of the name Yahweh, we don't actually have the vowels, and we don't exactly know how it is spoken, but we have interpreted it as Yahweh. That Hebrew name is considered holy. That name is the name of God. It's the name that God gave Moses. And yet Jesus shows up on the scene and he changes from calling him Yahweh and says, Father. And think about that. The religious were so upset about it. There's so much antipathy for him saying that, that they want to kill him for it. Isn't that interesting? That somebody wants to kill Jesus just simply because he has a relationship with God. And that's exactly what they want to do. They want to destroy Jesus because he refers to God as Father. And here's what they said. By doing that, you are saying you are equal to him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11 says, Our attitude should be that of Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be held onto or grasped, 
but humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him. So Jesus is saying, here is the attitude that we should have. Call God your father. Are you with me? I wasn't raised in the Christian church. I, I was raised a heathen. Our family was, uh, some of you are testifying, yeah, I'm with you, same family. It, uh, our family was alcoholics, uh, drug addicts, addicts uh, serial adulterers. So when I left home at 17, I went to work at a coal mine and, and I worked at night in the coal mine and finally one night I cried out to God. My life in four years had had become so bad, I mean, literally, the pits. Oh, see, that was my joke. That, that's all I got. If you're going to have any fun, lower your standards. That's where we're going to land. Sympathy laughs are acceptable. So I'm crying out to God one night at 3 a.m. because my life literally was, it was just awful. And I cried out to God, and I said, God, do you know me? God, do you care? And I heard the voice of God for the very first time in my life. Uh, someone said, well, did you actually hear the audible voice? Of God? I don't know if I actually heard the vibrations coming from his throat, but I know this, I heard the voice of God. And the voice of God, as real as anything you could say to me, the voice of God said, yes, I do know you. And I call you by your name, and I've given you the spirit of a son that you may call me Abba, Daddy. You know what's amazing is I had never read Scripture. I did not know that that was Scripture. So later, a few weeks later, I get saved, I get filled with spirit, called in the ministry, and I'm reading the Word of God and try to figure out, you know, what my what I'm believing in, and, and I'm reading, and I read Romans chapter 8, and I read Galatians chapter 4, that he's given me the spirit of a son that I may call him Abba, Father. So my whole approach to God has always been that he's my father. And from that day forward, I never once questioned my relationship with God as my father. Because this radical change, this change shifted my confidence, not in who I am, but in whose I am. First Peter chapter one, verse three says, for you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but imperishable or in, indestructible through the living and enduring word of God. It's incorruptible seed of God's word. John chapter one, verse 12 says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. But those who did receive him, he gave the power to become children of God. Children not born of a husband's will or a human decision, but children born of God. You are born of the spirit. The famous rabbi Nicodemus who approached Jesus in the night and began to be a follower of Jesus. He was there at the burial of Jesus. Nicodemus, in questioning Jesus, Jesus said, you must be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, so literal, says, how can a grown man re-enter his mother's womb? And Jesus said, That's n you're not understanding spiritual things, Nicodemus. 
What I'm telling you is you have to be born of the Spirit. And if you're here today and you've not been born of the Spirit and your own nature and your old ways will never earn you the place to God. There's three failed approaches to trying to get close to God. The first failed approach is attempting to approach God through pedigree. There was a Jewish man in New York. I'll go ahead and call his name because it's public information. Michael Bloomberg was asked by the reporter, will you get into heaven? He said, without a doubt, I will get into heaven. She goes, how do you know you will get into heaven? He says, because of the good works that I've done. No one's even close. And she goes, how, how can you be so sure? And he goes, because I've done so much, it's not, even, it's not even a question. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what you do in life. It doesn't matter how much money you transfer in your name to a charitable cause. It doesn't matter. If you think that your pedigree will get you into heaven, you're mistaken. You're wrong. Are you with me? Paul said this when he was Saul. He said, he, he's a zealot. He persecuted the church. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He can trace his ancestry directly to Abraham. And yet when he measured up all of his pedigree compared to who he is in Christ, he said, everything that I am and was is absolutely rubbish. If I wasn't in polite company, I would tell you exactly what the Bible actually is saying in there. It is manure. I consider it dung compared to everything that I have received from Christ. Are, are, you, are you with me? You can't, you can't earn your way to God. You fail to reach God when you attempt to approach the throne through bloodline or through your works. The second failed approach is attempting to serve God, believe it or not, from a distance. And I've dealt with thousands of men, and I know that there's a lot of men who want to serve God from a distance. They only want to, some just want to serve him through, his, through their wives. Let the wife be spiritual, and I'll just work. I'll just serve him through a distance and somehow be honorable in that, but that's a failed approach. It won't happen. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 says, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us, we'll listen to you, but don't let God speak to us or we'll die. Amazingly, most men don't want to hear directly from God. Most people don't want to hear him. There are congregations that have chosen not to invite the presence of God into the room. They want to serve God from a distance, but they don't actually want the Spirit of God doing a work in the body. Some, even claiming to be Spirit-filled, have relegated the Spirit in the back room and saying, let's just hold everything in the back room and let's have a form of godliness but deny the power's presence. And here's what happens when you attempt to serve God from a distance. What you're actually saying is, I want God, but I don't want his presence. 
I know it's hard to imagine to actually say to God, I don't want to hear you. See, here's the problem. When you actually get near the presence of God, you have to deal with the collateral. You have to deal with the fact that you have to look at yourself and say, woe is me, a person of unclean lips. When you get near the presence of God, you have to deal with the ramifications of his presence. Are you getting anything out of this? If you don't want to hear the voice of God, you won't. If you reject the voice of God, he will reject hearing you. The third attempt to, that has failed of approaching God is the attempt to compartmentalize God into an idol of your own image. Crafting an image into an idol, you say, well, we don't do that anymore. But many people do. Many people have a little image that they, they take a saint and they, they worship at the saint, but not to the God that the saint served. They take a little figurine, a little trinket, and they put their confidence in that saint. They put them on the dash and drive 90 miles an hour and expect that saint to protect them. They take their little saint and dig a hole in their yard and say, now my, yard, my house will sell. Listen, whatever you do, do not put spiritual authority to a trinket. Even if you think that your cross or your crucifix is somehow going to protect you, the moment you think that there is somehow a magic portion in that little trinket, you have crossed the line from faith in God into witchcraft. Or putting a man in between you and your relationship with God and approaching a priest on earth rather than the high priest who is in heaven. God has given you perfect access to him through his son, Jesus Christ. And you don't need a priest to go between you. You have a high priest and you are to serve God directly and not through him. Habakkuk 2 verse 18 says, what good is an idol carved by man or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish it is to trust in your own creation. A God that can't talk? What sorrow awaits you who say to wooden idols, wake up and save us? To speechless stoned image, you say, rise and teach us. Can an idol save you? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. Now listen to me. Those who worship blind, dumb, and mute idols become exactly what they worship. God will not confine himself into the little trinket that you want him to fit in. He won't sit on your mantle for you to light candles to. God is not reduced to the image of what you can craft in your imagination. It's very careful that you don't get all of your theology from Facebook. The Bible says, I set myself against those who wag their tongue and declare, thus saith the Lord. There are a lot of people who are representing God on Facebook that is not the God that I know as my father. When I, uh, <clears throat> we were raising our children, uh, I found this out. It's kind of interesting because our, our children are, are out on their own and, and bringing us the reward that uh, you get for raising your children, that's grandchildren. 
Thank God for that. They're the reward for not killing your children. <laughs> our children were good. They were all, they were, they were good. Uh, our, when we were raising our children, our daughters always called uh, me. When my son would always call his mom, uh, who I affectionately call Katie Girl. And now that they're older, now, now the girls call her. They never call me. If I need to know something going on, I have to ask, hey. But my son always calls me. And I asked her, I said, what is the up with that? What, why is the change? And she said, well, <laughs> you don't give them money anymore. <laughs> Katie girl's just practical, right? Well, before, they, before Courtney, our youngest daughter, left home, she came to me one day and she said, Dad, I need a new iPhone. <laughs> and I said, no, baby, you don't need a new iPhone. You want a new iPhone. Without blinking, Courtney looks at me and she says, yes, okay, I want a new iPhone. And I know that you're a good and loving father who delights in granting the desires of my heart. <laughs> how many know the girl knew how to speak to her daddy? Right? Now, she was not basing the petition of getting a new iPhone on her need. She wasn't basing it on her pedigree, what she deserved. She didn't have me go check the works of her room to see if she made her bed before she asked for the iPhone. She did not in any way base anything other than the fact that I am a good, good father. So she asked that with faith, and you know what she's wanting? She's wanting to me to say yes, right? Well, I hesitate. I say, well, I'll think about it. Now, Courtney interprets, I think about it, as yes. That's not even a question. She, she believes, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything in between is evil. So she just comes back to me a few days later and she does not re-ask me. She doesn't say, Dad, would you have me get me a new eye? No, she's operating in faith. Now she comes back and she says, Dad, where is my iPhone? When will it be delivered into my hand? I'm expecting the iPhone. And I look at her and say, it's on its way. How I many know baby got the new iPhone? The reason she got the new iPhone was because she understood my character is to grant the desires of her heart. It was never about need. My children not one time ever asked me, do we get to eat today? That would be an insult to my character. If they ever asked me that, I would march them in the kitchen, open up the pantry, and say, see this? I knew you would have an appetite before you had a hunger pain. I went to work. I transferred that money to Kay. Kay transferred that money to Walmart. Walmart gave us groceries, and there's not one thing in this pantry that I eat. It's all about you, babe. Are, are, you are you tracking with me? When we approach God as Father, our relationship has changed dramatically. 
And this is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. The disciples said, teach us to pray. In 1984, I moved to Springfield, Missouri. I mean, Missouri. <laughs> don't, don't tell them in Missouri that I do, I do that. I uh, moved to go to Bible college there. And so I show up, and I mean, I just remember, I just came out of the coal mine, so I still have... My jeans aren't sanctified yet. They still have skull rings in my back pocket, and I'm walking around Bible college, you know, and I'm, and I'm trying to figure this thing out, how to be a minister of God, how to be a believer. And so I'm attending Calvary Temple where Pastor Phil Hasty was pastoring. And Pastor Hasty brought in a videotape teaching of Dr. Larry Lee, and he had a teaching called, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? How many of you remember that teaching? Could you not? A few of you. It was a phenomenal teaching. Could you not tarry one hour? A simple question. And the reality is, I couldn't. I couldn't tarry one hour, but I wanted to know how to pray. I knew I needed to know how to pray. And so he taught the Lord's Prayer And he taught it as an outline, not as a ritual. And I love the way that it flows. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and you hallow the names of God. May your kingdom come on earth as it is uh, uh, in heaven. May your will be done uh, as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our our debts as you have forgiven us. You know, I went through the whole thing, and I, I go down to the prayer chapel, and I'm praying, and I'm praying the outline, and I'm going through, and, and I'm calling out all of the names of God, Jehovah Sidkenud, Jehovah Shema, and so forth, and I go through all of the names of God, and, and I talk about the kingdom of heaven, and I'm praying for the president, and begin to pray for everyone that I could think of there, and then, you know, you get to those needs that you've got to pray about, and you prayed about all those, and then about, you know, asking God to forgive me of the sins that I have committed, and I couldn't think of many, but um, (laughs) then I prayed about those who sinned against me, and man, that was a long list. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I got up, and I looked down, and I, I thought, surely it's been an hour. It had been five minutes. I thought, Neil, you're just pathetic. Come on, you're gonna be a minister of God. You gotta be able to pray. So the next day, I went back in, you know, discipline. I want to go, go in and pray. I prayed, and I began to, you know, I stretch it out as long as I could, add God's name as a comma in between every statement, you know. Try to pray a little King James English to sound a little bit holier. I'm not bilingual, but I tried. I mean, I stretched it out. I stretched it out. I got to maybe eight to nine minutes. Finally, I just laid down and went to sleep, <laughs> laid before the Lord. Come on, don't look at me so holy. You've done it too. Come on, how many? We're going to give an altar call. How many of you will admit? Okay, you've been there. All right, liars. You know what I found out? I found out a weakness. And I found out my weakness is I really don't know what to pray. I think I do. I mean, I think I know what to pray. I watch enough news. I never watch the news without talking back. I've never watched a presidential debate that I've lost. I mean, I think I know what to pray, but now that I'm seasoned, I realize I don't really know what to pray. I don't, 
I don't know what to pray about Ukraine. I think I do, but I don't. And this weakness is so awful. And Romans chapter 8 says that the earth is waiting for its moment to be redeemed. You know what's amazing is the earth really does have a relationship with you. You, you, think, you think it doesn't. No, there is a false gospel about the, you know, apocalyptic green gospel of false prophets and teachers. They're out there raising their money. They're ungodly. But there is a balance to this to understand that we are created to be stewards of the earth. But the earth is not going to be saved because you recycle. The earth is going to be saved when you operate in redemption. Are you tracking with me? Yes, you are a steward of the earth, just like Pastor said, this, this is all about stewardship. You are given an assignment on this earth to speak to this earth the will of heaven. But here's the problem. Just like the earth is frustrated and doesn't know what to say, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, Romans chapter 8, it says we ourselves, we don't know what to pray and we groan inwardly, not knowing what words to use. But then in our weakness, the Holy Spirit helps. Let, let me ask you a question. Come on, let's just really be honest with me. How many of you have been frustrated? Uh, over the last two years, how many of you were frustrated? Oh, it's 100%. Some of you raised two hands. One person raised a leg. I mean, not only have we been frustrated, how many of you would admit, admit that you're still frustrated? How many, I mean, I'm not talking about driving down the road frustrated. I mean, I, there's 7.5 billion people on earth. I'm the best driver. I can tell everyone how to drive better. I do. They just don't listen. Kay says they can't hear you. But you get frustrated. You get frustrated when you... When you look at the situations of life, you, you get frustrated when you, when you need healing and you pray. You, you get frustrated when you look at your finances. You get frustrated when you look at your relationships. You get frustrated when you look at your marriage that you really dreamed about and it's become a war. You get frustrated when you had children and you had hope for them and they go astray. You get frustrated. And what do you do? You don't even know what to pray for. You think you do, but you don't. And you're weak. And in that weakness, you stop because you don't even know what to say. But Romans chapter 8 says, in that weakness, the Holy Spirit prays through you. And in that moment when you yield, and you say, Holy Spirit, would you pray through me? Then all of a sudden you read that verse that is so famous that everyone wants to embrace, and we should, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, when I am frustrated, now I understand something. It may actually be holy. It's a holy frustration. And that holy frustration gives me another way to respond. 
than the way I would normally respond. Driving down here, we stopped at a hotel just to break up the trip and uh, just didn't feel, I felt a check in my spirit about flying and I just said, okay, we're just going to drive. And so we're driving down and we stopped at a hotel and I told her, you know, okay, uh, normally is incredibly good on hot wire and so she's on hot wire and, but I kept pushing her to say, yeah, that's the one, that's the one, get, get, just get that one, get, get that one. Well, it was the wrong one. <laughs> you know, the, roll the dice, hot wire, and four-star hotel, and it is not the right hotel. I mean, and we drive up, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a little frustrated with it. And uh, we drive up. I walk in, and it kind of has a, a residual stench of smoke, and I'm walking in. I'm not really excited about it, but I walk to the desk, and then the man behind the desk is a little mafioso, and <laughs> He's, he's not really hospitable, and he looks at me, and he says, uh, ID and credit card? And I said, yeah, we booked this uh, on third party, and uh, I said, uh, you know, here's my ID, and here's credit card. Yeah, that credit card's not in your name. I said, yeah, it's my wife's credit card, and, and uh, you know, I just really want to run it on hers, and you know, I can't do that. Well, she's, you know, it's my wife. Yeah, yeah. No, it's against our policy. We can't do that. And, and I'm trying to explain to him. He, he looks at me and says, Mr. Kennedy, don't interrupt me again. See, <laughs> you're my friend. You identified with me right then, right? <laughs> what, did you, what did you want to do? You, you want to what? Right? You want to lay hands on. Right? Yeah. But you want to do it out of frustration, right? What, what, did, you, what did you just say? And, uh, you know, have you ever gone into slow-mo? It did. I went into slow-mo, and, and I played out scenarios, you know, optional responses, grabbing him, pulling him, to, you know, laying hands upon him rapidly. The other scenario was... Speaking blessing. I preferred the other. <laughs> Come on, let's just be honest. I'll dance. But Proverbs says a gentle answer turns away wrath. And I said, you know, maybe we got off on the, I, I know, we got off on the wrong foot, and I apologize for that. I understand you have your policies. I have my policy. I have a policy manual myself on how I do things. But uh, I'll yield to you. And I pulled out another credit card. And I said, I'll just do it on, on this. And all of a sudden, he just turns. And everything's fine. And, and everything went well. I had a moment of frustration that I could have responded one way or the other. When you have a frustration, listen to me carefully. It could be a calling to pray. So maybe rather than responding the way that you naturally want to, maybe at that moment you respond in prayer. Maybe at that moment you realize, hey, maybe the Holy Spirit wants to do something. And when you see a frustration, maybe you respond by the Spirit rather than by the flesh. 
Maybe in your frustration with your bills, you say, God, give me insight and understanding and a way to create cash flow because I know that you're a good, good father and you want to meet more than just my needs. Maybe when someone is angry with you and you're driving down the road and they're saying that you're number one with the wrong finger. (laughs) Maybe you wave and speak blessing. Rather than responding in kind, maybe you respond in prayer. Are, are Are you tracking with me? Maybe when we start walking this way and we see someone hurting, we respond with healing. Maybe rather than just walking by the sick, we lay hands upon them to recover. Maybe like Peter, when he saw at the gate beautiful a lame man, and he says, money's not what you need. What you need is to be able to walk. And let's do that. It has to be pretty frustrating not to be able to walk. Are you with me? What you're doing, you're standing between heaven's will and earth's frustration, and you are speaking his voice to the generation right now and saying, change, change. This isn't right. This isn't right. I used to read Revelation like it was some type of future event. Now I read it like breaking news. And I'm like, how awesome is it to live in this moment? How awesome awesome is it to live in this moment that we can deal with the frustrations of the earth? What are you frustrated with? What, what, what frustrated you driving to church this morning that God wants to call you to? What's in your relationships that's frustrating? What, what's in your finances? What's in your health that's frustrating? Maybe it's a calling. Maybe, maybe in a season of prayer corporately, you need, to, you need to determine, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there, I'm going to fast, I'm going to seek my Father, and I'm going to believe that God is going to change every dynamic of this life. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Jeff Abels, and I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been dealing with your heart as you've listened to this message, and you feel like you just need to get right with God. If you have no real assurance that you are right with God, If you cannot honestly say you've been living for God and you know that needs to change, I want to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now. You know, the Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means God loves you and God's ready to save you. He's just waiting on you to call on Him. Won't you call on Him right now by praying a very simple prayer with me? I want you to repeat the words of this prayer after me. Let those words come right from your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin 
separates me from God. And I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again. Through faith in Jesus, I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive all my sin, and change my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I don't live for me anymore or this world. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And I thank you right now, even as I pray, according to your promise, my sin is all forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, we would really love to know about it. We'd love to give you some next steps to get you started on your brand new journey of faith. What I'd love for you to do is just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. And someone will connect with you to provide you with some resources that I think will help you greatly. Again, just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today, and God richly bless you is our prayer for you.